DiscerningHearts.com presents Inside the Pages, insights from today's most compelling authors. I'm your host, Chris McGregor, and I am delighted to be joined by Father Ed Broom, who is an associate pastor of St. Peter Chanel Church in Hawaiian Gardens, California. He's a member of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary and was ordained by St. John Paul II. He teaches Catholic Ignatian Marian spirituality through articles, podcasts, a radio show, retreats, and spiritual direction. He is the author of Total Consecration Through the Mysteries of the Rosary. With Father Ed Broom, we go inside the pages of From Humdrum to Holy, a step-by-step guide to living like a saint, published by Sophia Institute Press. Father Ed, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. I just love this book. You know, we are called to holiness, but everything seems to fight against it. Yes, I had a Mass shortly before this, and in the Gospel we have our Lord that's um, dispelling a demon. And my homily today was, if we really want to follow Christ, we have to enter into spiritual combat. And the three basic enemies that we have in our spiritual life are the devil, the flesh, and the world. The devil tries to lie to us and seduce us by specious reasoning. Then the flesh rebels against the spirit and doesn't want to obey the spirit. And finally, the world tries to seduce us into believing that true happiness can be found in this world. And as our Our Lady of Lourdes, in 1858, told Bernadette that I cannot promise you true and absolute happiness in this life, only in the life to come. That's the incredible value of the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius of Loyola, in which your tremendous order, the Oblates of the Virgin Mary, has had a particular charge to help all of us to be able to understand and to discern between those particular spirits. That's right, St. Ignatius of Loyola, when he was wounded in the Battle of Pamplona, I call it a providential accident, that they took him to safety, and finally he was taken back to his home. And he had a lot of free time, and what he did was he would spend a lot of time just thinking in his mind if he's able to marry a very noble woman, and he was thinking about the chivalrous tales of the knights and how he'd be able to win this woman over. And then afterward, he noticed, after reflection, that he was in a state of desolation, which means a lack of faith, lack of hope, lack of charity, kind of sadness and depression. But then he was given two other books. One was the book of the Life of Christ by Ludwig of Saxony. Then he was given the Lives of the Saints. He started to read those books. And when he was reading the lives of the saints, something ignited in his heart. It was like the fire of the Holy Spirit touched him. And he said, well, if, if Dominic can do it, so can I. If Francis can, can do it, so can I. If Augustine can do it, so can I. The Desert Fathers can do it, so can I. So, Eventually what happened is, his autobiography says that his eyes were opened a little bit. He was able to discern the difference between the working of the good spirit and the bad spirit. 
And then he wrote the 14 rules for discernment and then eventually the 8 rules for discernment on a much more subtle level. And the whole idea is we are in, we are in spiritual combat. We have to recognize the good and the bad. And I, I put together an acronym to be able to understand it, B-U-T. Mm-hmm. B stands for be aware. U stands for understand. And T stands for take action. Mm-hmm. That is so important for us, isn't it? Especially if we are striving to that call to holiness, is to, yes, like Ignatius, not only to pray, but to have a spiritual program that can assist and guide us in our prayer, but also in how we respond to that. That spiritual program is key, isn't it, Father Ed? Yes, very much. Ignatius, in the very beginning of the exercises in annotation number one, says the purpose of the exercise is to try to order the disorder in our spiritual life. And one of my chapters in my book, uh, From Humdrum to Holy, is 10 ways to start to become a saint. And what I did was, uh, being a teacher, I put together what are called the uh, the 10 M's. So I put together what's called an acronym. The 10 M's on how we can kind of put together a plan of life. And the first I said is the importance of morning prayer. To start off your day by offering yourself to Jesus through Mary. That's the first thing I do every morning, is that I say my morning offering, which I give everything I am, everything I'll do to Jesus through the heart of Mary. The second M is meals. I think we've lost that beautiful habit of the past of blessing our meals, mm. thanking God that we have something to eat. And the third M is meditation on the Bible. St. Jerome says that ignorance of the Bible is ignorance of Christ. So if we want to get to know Christ, then we have to meditate upon the Bible. Fourth M is Mass and Holy Communion. The greatest action we can do on planet Earth is to go to Mass and receive Holy Communion. Because Holy Communion is truly and substantially the body, the blood, the soul, and the divinity of Christ. Then the next M is Mercy toward others. Mm-hmm. We're in this year of mercy up until November 20th, so we should try to be merciful, especially toward those that are not always kind toward us. Then they put another M is manners in church. Unfortunately, as Pope Benedict XVI has, put, has pointed out, we've lost the sense of the sacred, especially in the context of the Holy Sacrifice and Mass. We should really enter the house of God with great respect and great reverence. Then the next aim is meekness and gentleness of heart, that we should really try to imitate Jesus, who who says in Matthew chapter 11, I am meek and humble of heart. Then they put that Jesus is the master, our heavenly model. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And two more. Another M is mission, that, as uh, Pope Francis is pointing out in his documents, as well as Pope Benedict and John Paul II, all of us are called to be missionaries. Missionary is a person that is sent. 
Fulton Sheen says there has to be a dynamic. First go, come and then go. We have to first come to Christ and fill ourselves with Christ, and we can go out to the whole world. And then uh, finally, the last M that I wrote is Mary and the Most Holy Rosary. We should really have a great love and devotion to the Blessed Virgin Mary. So those are the 10 M's of a, a plan of life so that we can travel well on the highway to holiness, and I hope that our listeners will be able to buy the book and try to really implement those 10 M's. Wouldn't you say, Father Ed, that in actuality these are simple? I mean, these are easier things, but the enemy that you have spoke of just a few moments ago would want you to think that these are just the most tremendously arduous things that I just can't do 10 things. Yeah, the, 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 the devil, what the devil tries to do is he tries to discourage us, and the devil tries to basically kind of blow things out of proportion. Uh, the devil tries to turn a molehill into a mountain, as we say. The devil tries to convince us we can't make it. Um, even St. Ignatius, after his conversion, he went from the, the Marian sanctuary of Montserrat up on the hill, and he made his general confession there. Then from there he went to Manresa. Now, when he was in Manresa, he was tempted by the devil basically to give up. He was tempted with a lot of scruples, and the devil even tried to tempt him to end his life. And thanks be to God that he opened up to a spiritual director. He was able to overcome those very powerful temptations. But well, yeah, the, de- the devil basically, the devil wants wants us to give in to discouragement and just, as the athletes say, just throw in the towel and give up. I think in your book, From Humdrum to Holy, that section on self-knowledge, I think it is so wonderful because you help us in our own experiences and in a real way be able to access those spiritual exercises that you've just spoken of uh, that was given to us by St. Ignatius. Yes, I've heard you speak with Father Tim Gallagher more than once, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful conversations. And one of the great expertise of Father Tim is uh, the rules for discernment, but also he wrote a book on the daily examine. And for listeners who are not aware of him, it's a wonderful, wonderful prayer. And St. Ignatius actually said we should never give up that. We should always find time in which we can um, do the daily examine. And Father Tim points out in the book, it's not always necessarily a moral examine, which means it's necessarily designed to make a good confession, even though secondarily it can. But this, the steps to make a good daily examine is you um, start by thanking God for all that he's given to us, because God is so generous, and then we beg for the grace to see ourselves in the light of God's grace. And we kind of rewind the film of our life to see uh, uh, where... God has been present, but where we have become absent to God. Then we tell the Lord we're sorry for the times in which we have not responded to His abundant graces. And then the last step would be looking to the future. We propose to try to be more faithful to the grace of God, because we we have to recognize that God is good. Uh, My founder, Father Bruno Anteri, loved to to preach that our God is a God of goodness, that God is slow to anger and he's rich in kindness. I think that we should meditate upon that that psalm. God is slow to anger and rich in kindness. Even if we fall 
is we, if we just launch ourselves into the merciful embrace of the living God, he'll forgive us. And that's why we have that most beautiful parable of the prodigal son, which I say we can not only call it the, the parable of the prodigal son, but we can also call it the parable of the merciful father, in which we're not focusing only on the misery of the son, but we're also focusing upon the goodness and the bounty of our loving and merciful father. So that doing that daily examine is a very, very good tool for us to get to know ourselves, but also to get to know God better and how he's working in our lives. Yeah, I think at chapter five, too, to make a plan of life is the way you've outlined it, your style, uh, Father Ed. Again, I keep emphasizing this is just so wonderful. I think for guys, they need to have the concrete. Tell me what I need to do. Show me what the plan is, and then I can tackle it. Women, we can enter into that. But the way you have outlined this and make a plan of life, I think this makes it even more accessible. Yes. And as you said earlier, I think that the enemy tries to convince us that it's too hard. Basically, these were the points that they said we should have our prayer life in order. Then we should uh, recognize that we are sinners. We should go to confession and never be afraid. And then I said Mass and Holy Communion. And we should even aim, if possible, to try to go to daily Mass and daily Holy Communion. Then they pointed out the the apostolic life is that if we really love Christ, then we should love what Christ loves. And what does Christ love? He loves the salvation of soul. So we want to work on that. Then I gave a short point on the importance of permanent formation. It's interesting that in the professional world, doctors, lawyers, teachers, writers, engineers, they all have to go through what is called a constant process of permanent formation, ongoing studies. Well, we should be professional Catholics. We should do all our all within our power to try to form ourselves better and better each day. Then they mentioned the importance of penance. I gave an analogy that one occasion I was taking a walk in a park and I noticed that there was a there was a blackbird in front of me, crow. And as it got closer to this uh, this blackbird, this crow, the bird didn't take off. And I was uh, thinking maybe I'm a modern St. Francis that I have a certain dominion over nature. Uh, but that wasn't the case. The bird didn't fly for the simple reason that one of the wings were broken. So uh, the analogy I've given is this, is that we are kind of like that blackbird. For us to be able to fly high in the spiritual life, we must have two wings. One wing is the wing of prayer. The other wing should be the wing of penance. Mm -hmm. Then they mentioned just a other few short things. It's the importance of work. We're called to work hard, to be punctual and offer our work to God. And then I, I mentioned the importance of spiritual direction. And there's a uh, Ignatius is pretty insistent upon this, that we cannot really direct ourselves well. We have to have someone that intervenes and tries to help us to be able to discern God's will in our lives. And of course, uh, in many of the chapters, I'll always try to end on a Marian note, given that we're obliged to the Virgin Mary. We really want to recognize that God 
has given us a mother. We say, Hail, Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. So um, I think the plan of life is very, very, very useful to um, order the disordered, uh, so also that we won't end up by wasting time, but utilizing our time to the max, given that our life is very short. We're here a very short time. It's so invaluable, I mean, to even draw again from your your wonderful founder, Venerable Bruno Lanteri. Don't become discouraged, but if you find that you, you begin this practice and then you kind of fall off a little bit, pick yourself up, begin again. Don't stop. One of the most famous phrases of the founder of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary is it's Latin, uh, nunc cepi, which means I will start again. And even though we may fall many, many times, as long as we we keep getting up and just throwing ourselves into the merciful arms of a loving Father, He'll always forgive us. And Saint Therese of Lucieux, she said that even I, if even if I had all the worst sins in the world on my conscience, I would not give into despair, but I would just launch myself into loving arms of my Heavenly Father, and like an elevator, He would elevate me to heaven. So, as Francis de Sales says, the worst thing in the world after sin is to give in to discouragement. That's why we, we really love today to promote that message that came from St. Faustina Kowalska in the diary of Mercy in My Soul, in which Jesus chose her to become his divine secretary, and her mission was basically to try to promote the infinite mercy of God, never to give into discouragement, but always trust. So much so that, Jesus said to St. Faustina, the, 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 the worst sinners can actually become the greatest saints if we trust in God's infinite mercy. Give thanks to the Lord for his good, for his mercy endures forever. Amen. We're talking with Father Ed Broom about his book, From Humdrum to Holy, A Step-by-Step Guide to Living Like a Saint. And Father Ed, the later chapters in the book, really, they're so compelling because you break open for us many of those areas that are challenges for us, and particularly that area of conscience. You just mentioned it, you know, with St. Therese, but I think forming a healthy conscience, which is one of the chapters in your book, that is one of those big challenges today. Yes, and um, you know, we as priests, we have to study uh, morality, and we have to go through the study of the different types of consciences. There, there could be the lax conscience, or there could be the scrupulous conscience, or there, the suppressed conscience, or there could be the cauterized conscience or the uh, warped conscience, or the erroneous conscience. There are many, many different types. Or the malformed conscience, or the, the perplexed conscience. We as priests, we have to try to help people to really form their conscience well. And I, I think uh, one of the great practices is that if people can get in the habit of examining their conscience well and going to confession frequently, I would say to try to go try to go at least once a month. That's a very positive means to form one's conscience. And another step is if we want to really form our conscience even better, it'd be good to see if we could have some type of periodic spiritual direction. Almost all the great saints said that you really can't make it by yourself, and 
Father Tim Gallagher constantly says that we're not made to walk alone, but we're rather we're, we're called to be accompanied. As we see that beautiful example of the on the disciples on the road to Emmaus, when they're walking by themselves, they were confused, they're in turmoil, they're in desolation, they really couldn't seem to make tales of what happened to Jesus. But then our Lord came and he started to walk with them and then he started to listen to them. And then he opened up his mouth. He explained to them the whole meaning of himself as well as the Paschal Mystery. So I, I, I think it's very important that we take time to to form our conscience better and better. And so the practice of frequent confession as well as this of our Ignatian spiritual direction are very important tools to be able to form our conscience in the light of the Holy Spirit. I'm so glad you brought that up, Father Ed, because there is something about frequent confession that even Our Lady at she revealed to the children at Fatima in the, the devotion of the five Saturdays, that even if you were to enter into that and go at, at the very least once a month to confession, what I found personally for me was that by the end of the, the third or fourth month, I found myself going even deeper. Like for the first couple months, I may, I may have looked at a lot of those surface sins, you know, the outbursts of anger or the or the talking about someone or doing something. But then after about the, the third, fourth, fifth month, you begin to think, now why am I doing that? And if you have that spiritual confessor or director who is able to help you to process that, you can really get at the heart of what's preventing us from becoming as holy as we could be. Would you say that's true? Yes, yes. An analogy I give is this. Our conscience is somewhat like a room in your house. You can have, say for example, it's midday. Day, you have the, the drapes and the curtains, they're closed. The room is in total darkness. Then you might open up the curtains, just a little crack. Then a couple of beams of light enter in. You're able to see say, the chair and the bed and the table, uh, just in a shadowy way. If you open up the curtains a little bit more, then you can see. You can see the objects with greater clarity. Then, finally, you can pull the curtains open fully, and the, the light of the sun beams into the room, inundating the, the room with its light. And not not only can you see the chair, the bed, the table, the pictures, but you can even see the particles of dust that are floating in the room. And that's an analogy I'll sometimes give to people in the the whole idea of the conscience. Our conscience can people have consciences that are basically in the darkness. Uh, others have consciences that are are in shadows. Others have consciences that have greater light. And finally, the, the conscience of the saints, it's called the delicate conscience. The person that is open to the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, open up to grace. And this person wants to be very, very docile to the working of the Holy Spirit. There's a book written by Father Jacques Philippe. It's called 
the School of the Holy Spirit in a wonderful book, and he says that the essence of holiness is union with the Holy Spirit and trying to be docile to the Holy Spirit. He, the Holy Spirit really does speak to us, but I would say one of, one of the big problems in the modern world is we're bombarded by so many noises. Even when Pope Benedict XVI came to the United States and he visited New York, Dunwoody, and he was speaking to the seminarians, and he said it's, it's difficult today for young people to say yes to God in the vocational call. And one of the reasons why is because we are bombarded by so many different noises radio and TV and the internet and so many different noises can can block us from hearing the gentle but forceful voice of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We have to be like the young Samuel and say, speak, O Lord, for your servant is listening. Ah, uh, now there's the rub, isn't it? Because when we do that, that really, it's on us, that act of the will to respond to that desire to listen, to be open. It's something on our part that we do in a very real way, don't you think, Father Ed? Yes, I, I think one of the one of the challenges is that we have a lot of just a lot of fears. A lot of fears that can actually paralyze us. How many times in the gospels our Lord is talking to the apostles and saying, Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. When our Lord is walking in the water and they see a ghost, they cry out, it's a ghost. He says, do not be afraid, it is I. So I think that we have to, we have to try to cultivate greater trust in God's loving and providential care in our life. If God is going to ask us to do something, then he'll always give us the corresponding grace to carry it out. I mean, God is never going to ask us to do the impossible. That's not our God. He'll always give us sufficient grace and the proper means by which we can carry out his holy will in our lives. Do you think, Father Ed, it, you know, in, in reflecting on what Pope Benedict XVI said at Dunwoody, that maybe, just maybe, we don't even realize that we are afraid, that we're so steeped and have lived in this for so long that we may not even be aware that we're afraid to even go there. I think that's a good point. That, that's why um, you working in the discerning spirit and talking with Father Tim Gallagher and talk about Ignatian exercises. I think if you do an Ignatian retreat three days or eight days, or some people can even make the third day retreat, a lot of a lot of hidden things surface that we're not even aware of. Hidden ghosts or goblins or fears, they're brought to the surface, and then we can start to cope with them. Because if we're, if we're really paralyzed by our fears, then we're not going to be able to carry out the, the will of God in our lives. We have to have greater trust in God. It's when that divine mercy image Jesus wanted St. Faustine to have painted below, Jesus, I trust in you. Well, Father Ed Broom, I wish we had more time. This has just been an, an incredible delight to be able to talk to you. Any final thoughts, Father Ed? Yes. Well, I invite all, pray that through the intercession of 
Mary, the mother of God, that God would bless all of our listeners with peace, joy, long life, and eternal life. Amen. Thank you so much, Father Ed. You're welcome. God bless you, too. With Father Ed Broom, we've gone inside the pages of From Humdrum to Holy, a step-by-step guide to living like a saint. To learn more about this book or to obtain a copy, go to sophiainstitute.com, the website for its publisher, Sophia Institute Press. Or you can find it at any fine Catholic bookstore. To hear and or to download this discussion along with many others, visit discerninghearts.com. This has been a production of discerninghearts.com. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. Join me next time for Inside the Pages, Insights from Today's Most Compelling Authors.